Welcome to the Gospel Rain Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Dr. Matt Brown and Dr. Micah Carter. We hope you will find gospel-centered answers to your questions about theology and the Christian life. And now, we welcome you to the Gospel Rain Conversation. Welcome to the Gospel Rain Podcast. We're excited that you have joined us once again for this uh, this time together. We hope it will be beneficial to you, our listener, and because uh, we know it would be beneficial to us, uh, to me and Micah. We love this time together. We get a chance to uh, share together and talk together about things that are very important to us. We just love uh, conversations around the Word and around theological matters. Uh, this is a lot of fun for us, but we mm-hmm. hope it will be a benefit to those who will listen to us. So thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to take on a, a topic that I know Micah's really excited about. Micah, you've uh, you've challenged your church this year to read through the Bible, and you've been reading through the Bible with them. And I've noticed just on Facebook, you know, I've not talked a lot about this, but on social media, you've put some stuff out there to sort of help guide your church week by week to say, hey, keep reading, keep reading. And, right. and so here's what we're talking about, here's what we're reading about. And you've even included some of that uh, in your preaching, which is really encouraging too, and I'm sure to your people to be able to read one, read some passages during the week and then know that you may you may even cover those on a Sunday night or something like that. That's really cool. I like that. So yeah. that, that maybe helped them on their journey. But one of the things we run into pretty quickly when we get into the Old Testament as we start a, 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 a through the Bible reading is we get into the concept of a lot of theological concepts. One of those is the concept of the firstborn yeah. and the concept of the firstborn getting certain rights that come with that, an inheritance uh, that comes with that, a double portion of that inheritance, uh, responsibilities of being the firstborn, especially the firstborn son. Right. And um, so we, those who are familiar with the reading of the Old Testament at all know that, that that comes up quite a bit. And we even see that, we even see this concept lived out or at least um, uh, talked about a little bit in the New Testament too and how we can sort of make sense of the two. So you've been doing some reading and, and just through your uh, Bible reading, I want you to give us a, a little bit of help on this concept of the the firstborn. All right, so let me let me just start by asking you a question, okay. uh, and then we'll jump into it. Is it is it true? We usually are told that the the firstborn son is the one who gets the double portion of the inheritance through the Old Testament. That's sort of the the Israelite way. Yeah. Okay, is that is that true? And is that always the case? Mostly true, but startlingly not true in some areas where you think you would see it, especially in the early pages of Genesis. You know, we, um, we're, we're dealing, we kind of jump in to these concepts a lot of times without a whole lot of explanation and awareness. I mean, the firstborn idea, I think still perpetuates in our day. Mm-hmm. You know, the first, I mean, when you talk about people making wills and, you know, the expectation of a firstborn and stuff like that. You you still have that today, but the double yeah. portion and the status of, of kind of taking the head of the home and those kind of things, definitely Old Testament concept and, and even bleeds into the New Testament as we're going to see in just a minute. But um, in Genesis in particular, there it's there's so much going on, so many people, so many fast-moving um, you know developments in the early pages of Scripture that we don't we don't we can miss a lot of those connections but then we can also be puzzled by some things because you you see things you ought to see like the firstborn getting right. but then you see some other some other aspects and people and stuff like that where the firstborn does not get 
It's actually yeah. backwards yeah. in many ways or or worse. Yeah, that so. can confuse a lot of people when yep. they start to read the Old Testament. They've heard this all their life. The firstborn is supposed to be the one to get all this stuff. And then so many times in the Old Testament, it doesn't happen that way. Right. And it seems as though, and I think you're going to help us understand this, it seems as though that's intentional, right? Yeah. God has planned it that way. But it's interesting that he's using a this construct, the social construct of this, this firstborn is supposed to be. He's, he sort of uses that in a backwards way to show us some really something he's really drawing attention to in these people's lives and how God works providentially That's right. uh, to, That's right. uh, to, to give blessings to his people in ways that may not quite fit the construct or what was natural for them right. uh, in their family. So this is really cool. And I, this is a, a great, really intriguing topic for me. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited you're going to cover this. So when we start talking about the concept of the firstborn, where do we get thrown off in the Bible? Where where does this sort of start for us when we start getting confused as to, wait a minute, I thought the firstborn was supposed to be the one? Yeah, okay, great question. All right, so firstborn is operating it in two different senses, too, in the Old Testament. The first idea is it's the actual firstborn son, Okay. so the firstborn child, son. But then also it's a, so that's about position, but there's there's a firstborn sense about status and blessing that the concept of firstborn gets passed on to someone who's not actually the firstborn son. So we've got to wrestle with those two concepts. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. We don't always think about it this way, but uh, Adam's firstborn son was Cain. Mm -hmm. And what does Cain do right off the bat? Chapter 4 of Scripture, he kills his brother Abel. That's right. And firstborn should not do that. Firstborn should be leading and serving and all this kind of stuff. But Cain is derailed. And then you have the Bible begin to kind of put the the status of the blessing and inheritance in the line of Seth. Seth is the youngest uh, in the line. And so you see in Genesis chapter 7, Genesis chapter 9, that God begins to work through the line of Seth. Not Cain. Cain's descendants are a hot mess, and they're doing all kinds of bad stuff. But the line of Seth is very important. Then you have um, Noah's firstborn. When you get to Genesis chapter uh, 9, you know, as the flood narrative is fixing to happen, mm-hmm. uh, you have Shem is Noah's firstborn. Now, the great thing is Shem is, is good. He's, per, he's in a positive light in Scripture. He, there's not a whole lot of information about him except when Ham sins against Noah by looking at him naked. It's Shem and Japheth who take in the the blanket and lay it over Noah. Mm-hmm. And I would argue probably Shem was the one who said, hey, let's get this blanket and let's do this. So he he's a very positive light in terms of firstborn. Right. And Shem is important because uh, it is in his lineage that Abram uh, comes. Gotcha. Okay, so Genesis chapter 11, we find that from Shem's genealogy, it comes all the way down to Abram, which we know to be Abraham. Now, Abraham is Terah's firstborn in chapter 11, verses 27 to 32 of Genesis. And so, you know, he has other brothers, Abraham does, but God selects him out of out of all people, really, to be the beneficiary of his covenant, the beneficiary of his uh, blessing, mm-hmm. and he, he's going to make him the father of many nations. And so you already see that even though in the beginning Cain kind of derails as the firstborn, that you have Shem and you have Abraham that's redeeming the concept of the firstborn, even though it's implicit. It hasn't been spoken this way yet okay. in Scripture. Right. You're beginning to see this model. Now, where does it go off, off the rails? I would argue that Abraham and the story of Abraham 
things begin to go sideways because what happens? Well, Sarah can't have kids. That's right. So they take matters into their own hands by giving uh, Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar, to Abraham, which he takes as a wife, and they produce Ishmael, Mm -hmm. which technically is Abraham's firstborn son. His firstborn. Okay. And yet the covenant blessing that God comes to Abraham and he says, Ishmael's not the promised son. You've taken matters in your own hands. This is not. It's going to come through Sarah, and Isaac is going to be right. the firstborn. The 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 blessing. Now, I did I did look carefully at the text in uh, Genesis sixteen that Ishmael is he's given a blessing by God. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. he he doesn't he doesn't miss anything. Right. I mean necessarily. Uh, he gets a, a a great portion he of does. Abraham's inheritance, and he gets a great blessing because of him being that firstborn. Yeah, and even though his offspring down the road are going to be um, difficult for the descendants right. of Isaac to deal with, um, I'm just reminded, it's just kind of off the cuff, but I'm just reminded that when Abraham dies, the Scripture tells us that Isaac and Ishmael buried him. And I think that that's a very gracious thing to remind us that Isaac and Ishmael are brothers. Yeah, yeah. Obviously one has a covenant blessing, one doesn't. So Isaac is the child of promise. He's not He's not the firstborn. But did you know that in Genesis chapter 22, when God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, essentially, mm-hmm. he refers to him as your only son, mm-hmm. Isaac. Yeah. Which right. I think is a very right. weird thing to say. Ishmael is his son. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but God says your only son. You've not withheld your only son. Uh, from from me, even though Ishmael was still born to him. Okay, so you get you get this topsy turvy sense of well, he produced a son, Ishmael, but Ishmael is overlooked because he's not through the promise. Mm-hmm. And the promise was also to Sarah, and so that's, that's right. where that's where Isaac comes. Well, from. you clearly see already there that God has a has a specific plan yeah. for which we know. You know, our vision is sort of twenty twenty, looking backwards through the New Testament. Mm-hmm. God has already a specific plan of how He's going to redeem right. His people, and that's going to be specifically through through Sarah. It's going to be Abraham and Sarah, not through Abraham and Hagar. So yeah. we we're going to see that line and how it goes through that. But it's really it, that's interesting how we see even before, like you said, before all this concept this concept of firstborn gets really fleshed out, we begin to see. It's already happening. It's already we operative. see this is how God is operating. That's and, right. But then God sort of flips this thing on its head several times yeah. as you're talking about. So this is, this is pretty Well, cool. and with Isaac and Ishmael and Hagar and Sarah, Paul does some interesting stuff with that yeah. in Galatians yeah. chapter 3. But I, I want to point out something else about Hagar. It is mentioned that she is an Egyptian. And Abraham is told at the very beginning of the covenant blessing that you're going to have all these descendants, but guess what? Your descendants are going to be slaves for 400 years mm. in a country that's not their own. He doesn't identify it as Egypt at that point, but I think there's a, I think there's a growing foreshadowing even in Hagar mm. the Egyptian producing offspring that is not going to be the nation that Abraham is looking to, even though his descendants are still going to be multiplied through Ishmael. Yeah. That's true. I hadn't and he'll that. be a father of many nations. So, okay, so then we have Isaac who... Um, who produces two twin boys named uh, Esau right. and Jacob. Right. So Esau is Isaac's firstborn. He comes out first, and Jacob is grasping his heel, which is why he's named that way. He's a grasper. and um, But it is prophesied to, um, to Rebekah that the younger, 
or the the older will serve the younger, right? Which is out of place. We're dealing with the firstborn concept. We it's operative, even though it hasn't been necessarily fleshed out. But we get a sense that the Lord is doing something strange. Why not Esau? Well. Esau goes on, as we know, to despise his birthright, which is he's hungry. Jacob's right. cooking some food. He's like, "Give me some food," and he's I'll give it away. Yeah, yeah give yeah. me your birthright. Right. Which at the, in that moment we get the sense that Esau doesn't really care about anything. Right. You know, he's like, "We'll deal with that later." Give me some food. So he despises that. But then we get a really, to me, a black eye on Jacob that he, at his mother's request, tricks Isaac mm-hmm. into blessing him as he would bless Esau in the blessing of the firstborn. That happens, the narrative is tense because he says this is the voice of Jacob, but it you know, it smells right. like Esau, <laughs> you know, all this whole stuff. And so he's tricked out of his blessing, Genesis chapter twenty seven. And God God intentionally reaffirms his covenant to Jacob. So you have Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. And Jacob receives all the same blessing. You're going to get the land. Your descendants are going to be numerous. All the same covenant blessings come to Jacob, even though he's kind of a rascal, isn't he, Mm -hmm. in Scripture? And, you know, the story develops in such a way that toward the end of his life, you know, he's coming, he's getting ready to come into the promised land. And who's there? Esau's there. Mm -hmm. So Jacob's like, he's going to kill me. He yep. said he was going to kill me a long time ago. <laughs> so he, he devised this plan. He's going to send all these waves of people and gifts yeah, to yeah. him. And then Jason, Jacob wrestles with God mm-hmm. at the River Jabbok. And I I think I understand that is the sense that God renames him Israel and touches his hip and physically transforms him. But I think he changes him. I'm not going to let you go into the land of promise as you are. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change everything about you. So he goes in there. And in the scripture, Jacob is the he's at the front of the line meeting Esau. So even though he had protected himself with these waves of people and gifts, all that's behind him when he meets Esau. Mm. And so he's transformed, and he goes in there. Of course, the, they hug and kiss and weep, and um, he tries to give he tries to give the blessing back to Esau. Hey, I've I've got all these animals right. for you, all these yeah, servants right. for you. Esau like, says, "Nope, no, God's blessed me. Yeah, don't, I don't worry I don't about need it. it." Yeah, he refers to himself multiple times as Jacob, your servant. Jacob, your mm. servant. And um, he tries to give back the blessing and the birthright. Well, it doesn't happen because God is still changing that to to the status that's applied to mm-hmm. Jacob. So you're, we're halfway through the book of Genesis yep. at this point. So you've got Isaac, who is b- the blessed, the promised child. He is not the firstborn right. of, of Abraham. Right. And then we have Jacob, who is obviously the one who is receiving that inheritance through him, the line is continued, and he is not the first That's born. right. And then That's right. you continue through the rest of the book of Genesis where Jacob's now going to have 12 sons, or to, yep. we're going we're gonna to find 12 different boys right. that are going right. to get, get blessings and those kind of things, but we're going to find out that the firstborn is not, it, it, it's not going to be the one to get. Yeah. So it's, again, this is sort of, it's a funny thing. We've, a lot of people have heard in church all their life, oh, the firstborn always gets the double. But here we are now always all the way through the book of Genesis, and and it's like every time it gets flipped over. That's right. Uh, to, and it's backwards than what we thought it might be. But but it's clear that God is doing something specific through these people. Well, he is. And the last the latter part of the, uh, well, chapter 37 through 50 of Genesis is really about Joseph. Right. But the build-up to Joseph is, you're exactly right, Jacob, uh, he wants to marry Rachel, 
he's kind of tricked into marrying Leah, who is the eldest daughter. Mm, so right. you even have kind of a <laughs> almost a firstborn concept yeah, going on there. Yeah. Um, Rachel, it turns out, he works for seven more years for her. She's barren, can't have kids. So Rachel produces a couple sons, I think four sons, and then um, he takes on two concubines That's and right. marries them, uh, Zilpah and Bilhah. And then Rachel produces two sons, mm-hmm. Joseph and Benjamin. Benjamin. Right. So as you get into that, Reuben is the firstborn of Jacob, okay? And Joseph is the the eleventh born mm-hmm. of Jacob. <laughs> and yet when you pick up when you pick up the story uh in chapter thirty seven, Joseph is seventeen years old and his father gives him a coat of many colors. And right. we've heard this story since we were That's kids right. and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why did he give him a coat of many well, the Bible says repeatedly that Jacob loved Joseph more than all his brothers. Yep. Um, but why the why the coat of many colors? And I think this is tied to kind of this firstborn concept, Matt. Yeah. So he gives him a, a jacket to to establish a status that is above his brothers, mm-hmm. and in some sense, an authority and leadership. Because what does Jacob ask Joseph? Go check on your brothers. What are they doing? And he comes back and he brings a bad report. So his brothers are mad at him. Mm-hmm. Then he gets this coat, and the and his father is establishing his authority over his brothers. Then he has these dreams about the sheaves, you know, falling down and bowing to him and all this stuff. And man, his brothers are just incensed at him because he's receiving the status of the firstborn. Now, I do find it interesting when they decide they want to kill him. That it's the actual firstborn Reuben who says, "Guys, we ain't finna kill. Yeah, him. Let's yeah. no, let's let's pump the brakes on this." Yeah, and they send him off. Yeah, to he slavery. sees a little bit of greater responsibility yeah. with Reuben, at least to uh, at least to stop what he knew was about to happen. And yeah. uh, they had all sort of voted, "This is what we're going to do." And Reuben sort of has to step in Bails as the oldest out. son to say, "And we're not yep. we're not going down this road." Yep. But but let's just sell him. Uh, exactly. <laughs> not that that's any better, really. But you know. Uh, you know, still going to get rid of him, but at least he seems to be the level-headed one. And just when you think Reuben, as the actual firstborn, has some redeeming qualities about him, <laughs> uh, the Bible tells us that he goes in and sleeps with one of yeah. his father's wives. Yeah. And so when the blessings are given out by Jacob to his sons, Reuben is recognized as the firstborn, but he's not given the firstborn blessing. Yeah. Okay, Judah, Judah is given a greater portion of blessing, and Joseph is given a greater and I would say Judah because he says you're a lion among mm-hmm. your brothers, and the scepter's always going to be right. in your family. So he's that's why we call Jesus the Lion of the tribe of Judah because he's going to flow from that in terms of kingship. But then Joseph is given a blessing uh, as well by Jacob at the time of his death. So right before Jacob dies, he asks Joseph, you know, basically, do you have kids? And Joseph, says, here's my two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob says, your sons now belong to me. And just like Reuben and Simeon, your two sons are like like mm-hmm. them to me. And so he's going to bless Joseph's sons. And Joseph puts Manasseh up there as his firstborn, and here's Ephraim. Well, Jacob crosses his arms mm-hmm. and puts his right hand on Ephraim, his left hand on Manasseh. And he, he gives the blessing of the firstborn to Ephraim. And, and not, not Manasseh. <laughs> and you're like, what is? Wait a minute. And Joseph's, you know, reacting with disappointment. No, yeah, no, 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 right. no, Dad. No, you, you, he's you the got first it wrong, one. right? He says, I know what I'm doing, and he gives a double and a greater portion to Ephraim than he would Manasseh. And you think, Lord, what, what's going on here? I mean, here is Joseph, who's the eleventh born son. He gets all this blessing, 
and he's still fighting for the firstborn blessing for mm-hmm. Manasseh, mm-hmm. his own son. So interesting how the Bible pulls all this stuff together. I'll just say a couple more illustrations, and we gotta we got to move on to the Christ connections that right, I want to make. Right. So Moses is not the firstborn from Amram. Aaron is. Aaron's his older brother, and yet it is it is Moses who eclipses Aaron. Now, here's what's fascinating about that. Aaron is a spokesperson for Moses. Mm-hmm. Moses stutters, and and Aaron's kind of his right-hand man, but Aaron's not the man. I mean, the whole rescuing of the people out of bondage, mm-hmm. this is Moses. God has raised him up. He's going to raise him up to do that. Aaron is present, but and Miriam is there too, but it it is Moses who God chooses, not the firstborn, but to give the status of authority and leadership to mm-hmm. to Moses. And this this concept of firstborn comes full in center focus when Moses comes and he's 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 doling out plagues from God to the Egyptians and the tenth and final plague is the death of the firstborn. Mm. Interesting. So God is gonna he's gonna take the lives of firstborn sons. And they institute, God says, you need to go to all the children of Israel and put blood over the doorpost so that when the angel of death comes, he will pass over your place mm-hmm. and preserve the life of your firstborn. So the Israelites do this, the Egyptians do not, and there's great wailing in Egypt because their sons die. Essentially, the firstborns die. So the promise of inheritance, the promise of blessing, all of this, even in Egyptian culture, is now uh, damaged by God because he's showing something about the the predominant, excuse me, Mm -hmm. of the firstborn in Israel to be covered under the blood. So very, very fascinating how this this word, and that, I mean, Jews still today celebrate Passover in this way from Exodus chapter 12. So last Old Testament example, then we've got to move to Christ. Um, Eliab, probably not a name you talk about every day in the text. Eliab is Jesse's firstborn son. Mm Mm-hmm. So the prophet Samuel is has been given an assignment by God to anoint a new king. Saul is a train wreck. He he is not the kind of king right. that needs to lead Israel. And so he's told to go to the family Samuel's told to go to the family of Jesse. So he goes, Jesse's got a bunch of sons. Okay. Here's Eliab, my firstborn. Nope, that's not him. Shema, nope, that's not him. And then he goes down the list of all these sons. None of them, God says, are to be anointed. And so Samuel asked Jesse, is this it? Do you have any more sons? He said, well, my youngest son is out in the field shepherding. Bring him in. And then the Lord says to Samuel, this is to be the anointed king of Israel. So now you have not the firstborn, but the (laughs) last-born son (laughs) that becomes Israel's greatest king, a precursor to the Messiah. Uh, I mean, so much of the rest of the Old Testament and the 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 prophecy and expectation yeah. of the Messiah is wrapped up in King David. Yeah. And so, man, not the firstborn, but the last. Well, we can, we can identify there with Samuel. Samuel yeah. walks in and is going to anoint Eliab, which is, you know, it, said, it, it speaks of him physically that he, you know, he looked the part. Right. 
um, but that he was the firstborn. Anybody would have done the same thing. Of course. Anybody would have chosen him, not yeah. only because of his physical characteristics, but the fact that he was the firstborn. There seems to be more responsibility there. There seems to be the leadership there and That's all that right. kind of stuff. But God doesn't do that. God goes with the least of these, which is the which is the, the, the youngest son, David, which yeah. is incredible. So It is incredible. We see that, again, though, we see that continually fleshed out. We get to the New Testament, and we see what you're going to talk about, but you see how how it, it seems often where we have principles in the New Testament like the the first shall be last and the right. last will be first. And right. We see things like that that don't match what we would think would be the case. And so this is Old Testament and New Testament stuff that we're seeing oftentimes God reverses yep. what we think would be correct or what we think would be proper. Yeah. Uh, God does it a different way. Yeah. So even yeah. here with David. Well, that's right, and... and you know, we can't. What what is this? What does it matter? What does all this matter? Well, it matters because what's unfolding in the Old Testament is paving the way for Jesus Christ. That's right. And even the concept of firstborn in in the people and the pictures where it looks, it's good, mm-hmm. it's right, and then you have the others where what's going on here? This is not this is not the firstborn getting the blessing, everything else, because it's it's pointing us forward to the true firstborn. And we have to wrestle with that. So the New mm, Testament, the New Testament does some things with this concept of firstborn related to Jesus. For example, in the Gospels, Jesus is the firstborn son of Mary, mm-hmm. not Joseph. Even though he's considered to be in the lineage of Joseph, because Joseph is going to be married to, to Mary. Mary's a virgin. This concept is very important to the Gospels, and so she has Jesus, firstborn son. Bible tells us she didn't have sexual relations until after Jesus was born, and then they produce more kids. That's right. So he's the firstborn son of Mary. But interestingly enough, the Bible goes on to tell us that Jesus is also the firstborn of the Father, mm-hmm. God the Father. Now, here's where you and I as theologians have to be clear in our understanding of what, what the Scripture is saying. It's not saying that Jesus, as the Son of God, was created. Right. Uh, he's eternal as a That's member right. of the Trinity. And yet the language of firstborn begins to take on exactly some of the portions that it does in the Old Testament, that Jesus' status and his rank and the blessing and the inheritance are to be given to him as firstborn. As firstborn, Okay. Right. So Paul says in Colossians 1.15 that he, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Not to say that he was created first, but to say that he ranks superior to all other created things. I, I mean, anything that's been created is uh, second to Christ. He is the firstborn of all creation. John's gospel tells us that Jesus is the monogenes. He is the one and only Son of God, mm-hmm. uh, which goes back to Genesis 22, doesn't it? Right. That this is your only Son, your only Son, that God is saying, this is my son. He says that at his baptism, with whom I'm well pleased, the Spirit descends upon him. All the blessing and everything is coming upon uh, Jesus, the Son of Mary, the Son of God. And then because of what Jesus came to do in the cross and the resurrection, the Bible says no less than three times refers to Jesus as the firstborn from among the dead. Mm-hmm. And and then there are other scriptures that call him the first fruits or the first from the dead. Right. So not to say that others didn't experience resurrection. Lazarus was resurrected, uh, you know, a handful of people, That's the right. widow's son mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. But just that he, when he rose from the dead, he did not die again. That's right. And he is the pattern, the exemplar, and all the blessings of resurrection life 
are in him and from him and because of him as the firstborn from among the dead. I had read a, a long time ago, and I, I've told my folks this in a sermon as I was preaching, uh, one of these passages on him being the firstborn from the dead. Uh, one writer said he was the fir- what that simply meant was that he was the first one to get up from the dead and stay that way. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. you know, you look back at Lazarus, he, like you said, he was raised from the dead, but only to die again. Yeah. Lazarus died again. But Jesus is the only one who got up from the dead and actually stayed that way. He was the the one who defeated death and is now the first fruits from the dead and uh, leading the way then for the rest of us mm. who will experience a physical death, but we will be raised from the dead never to never to die that's again. Right. So that's right. we will follow him because he is the first fruits. Well, and that that's why Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, refers to the church believers as the assembly of the firstborn. Mm. And okay, so let's put all this together in that one statement. If, as Paul says in Romans chapter uh, nine and also Galatians chapter four, that we that we are children of Abraham by faith, mm. that Abraham is our father. We're not Jews, we're Gentiles, and yet we are children of Abraham, mm. part of his descendants. That all the blessings of Abraham that were passed on to Isaac and to Jacob now have been passed on to us. But it comes through. Jesus, the true firstborn. That's right. And we are the assembly. And Jesus didn't Jesus say, Father, here I, here I am and the children you have given me, and that the blessing, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Jesus now terminates upon his descendants, and that's us. We are the assembly of the firstborn that's right. by faith, which makes us also the children of Abraham because we have that's right. faith in Christ. Exactly. Now, I think that, man, that is just something to, and I mean, you and I have kids uh, I have a firstborn son named Benjamin. I named him that because son of my right hand, son of my strength, Jonathan. I love them both, and I just I, this whole concept of firstborn really gets my mind thinking about yeah. if all was going to come, what's going to happen? Well, Ben, when I'm gone, Ben's going to lead. Mm. That's just a natural, right. You know, process of these things. But we we all do this in terms of because the Bible gives us this concept, and yet the greatest picture of it uh, is not is not the craziness that happens with Isaac or Jacob right, or Joseph, right? but the the fullness of it, the That's fulfillment cool. of it in Jesus Christ. That's cool. You know, th- we think about this, and I, I told my folks this the other night at church, that, and trying to reiterate with them all over again, that the reason, only reason we are related to God as Father, we are His children, is, is only as we are related to our eldest brother. Yeah. Jesus. That's it. Um, That's it. He is that firstborn. And and the the blessings of the inheritance only come to us as they come through the firstborn, yeah. as they only come through Jesus. So yep. we uh, we uh, we get the opportunity now to be and the privilege of being related to Him now as we call on Him as our Father. We are His children. We come to Him when we pray to Him. We 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 ask for blessings and all of these kind of things. That's right. But only as we're related to Jesus. That's right. And uh, we come to the Father through the Son. So yep. it's an incredible thing. All that God was doing in the Old Testament to build up and help us understand. What, what, what we were looking for, and uh, set mm. up the context for them so that he would reveal his own son mm. uh, who, to come from heaven. It's an incredible thing. He had already set up for them how they were supposed to understand this to begin That's with. exactly right. And it's really cool how all that happens. And once you learn that, once you see the pictures of all this stuff in the Old Testament, which yeah. you've done a fantastic job to help us see how all this is built up, then it just sort of makes sense then, yep. right, in the New Testament. And you wonder... How did they? How did they miss it? How did so many of them miss it? God had really been 
and not just in the concept of the firstborn, but so many other things that God had was really painting the picture for for them in the sacrifices and in the temple and the priests and all these kind of things that God was really painting for them. Yeah. So that when Jesus came, they would receive him. They would understand. But many of them just missed it. And that's, you know, that's what what we're doing is biblical theology. Yeah. I mean, Israel as a nation is God's firstborn. That's right. You know, and they are to be a blessing to the nations. And Jesus is the true Israel. Mm-hmm. Bless the nation. I mean, and, and that's why I love reading scripture. And, you know, because I, I have a hunch that when, when people read the Bible— they they he, they see these things and they they're reminded of, wait there's a connection here something's going on here yep. something's going on here yep. but they might not they might not put it all together in a landscape that's exactly right that you know something like this firstborn they see it it's there makes sense but to to see it as it fulfills itself in Christ is a is a beautiful thing. yeah it helps to get the bigger picture and I hope yep. this is what you know a, a podcast like this has done is to try to get people just the bigger picture to be able to see it as a whole. And uh, there's a great benefit that comes mm. from that. So that's really cool. All right, let yeah. me let me shift gears. Okay. All right, uh, we'll let you uh, close the podcast in just a second. But we're going to shift gears to a, a segment that we uh, sometimes called headlines. And there's some headlines that have come out lately that mm. uh, that have piqued our interest as Christians and as theologians too, and as pastors uh, to be able to sort of speak to. And so one of these headlines has come out just recently over the last few days and that we talked about this just briefly. Give us one headline that, uh, that we need to talk about and give us some understanding, uh, theologically. How do we look at this? Well, the third, you know, the third Sunday of January, Southern Baptist convention usually, um, prioritizes the sanctity of human life. Mm-hmm. And it's tied to the passing of, of the, the Roe versus Wade decision right. in 1973 about abortion. Well, just recently, the New York Senate um, signed into law. The the governor, in fact, did signed into law a an abortion rights bill, and their legis. I mean, there's so much going on here. But basically, what it, what it's it's arguing is you can terminate a baby's life up to the moment of birth, mm-hmm. and part of the despicable nature of of what took place in this was. Um, people were clapping and laughing and cheering as he signed it. And you're just thinking, we live in a culture of death. Yeah. And, you know, that, that you, you would – and here's the question we have to answer, and people need to be honest about. What is the difference between a child minutes from birth – I mean, literally, literally minutes from birth, you know, on one side of the womb, on the other side of the womb? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you're exactly right. It needs to be asked. Yeah, it, 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 I think there's a. It's disingenuous for people to consider termination of a baby. You know, because you can go all the way back to 22 days. There's a heartbeat. Right. So I mean, if that's not life, I don't know what it right. is. Right. Well, and I, matter of fact, I was reading on right after this happened. I was reading on Facebook, and I had a um, a cousin, a distant cousin, who uh, put on Facebook. Uh, she said, "I'm pro life. I'm pro choice." And uh, she has been, I guess, for a long time. But anyway, she was raised that way. But she said, I'm, I'm pro-choice. And so I basically say I, I believe abortion is, is okay. Mm-hmm. But, she said, but this new decision to be able to abort a baby up until moments before birth yeah. is just wrong. Yeah. Interesting. And my daughter saw this on Facebook, my oldest daughter, and, and, and basically questioned me and my wife and said, I want to say to her, what difference does it make? Yeah, yeah. Why all of a sudden is it now wrong? Right. 
Well, my daughter understands that that this girl's worldview mm-hmm. is is mixed up. Mm-hmm. She knows on the inside that this is wrong. She knows on the inside that abortion is wrong. Yeah. She's been made in the image of God. She knows it's been imprinted on her soul mm-hmm. that that life comes from God. Mm-hmm. And although she's pro-choice, she recognized something's not quite right about this. Mm-hmm. Well, the question that has to be asked is, why is that wrong? Mm-hmm. And if whatever answer you get for that question is the same answer for why it's wrong after conception. Yeah. Not only up until almost birth, but it's wrong simply because we have inherent value, the fact we've been created by God. It's it's not this issue of the timing, although now the timing seems absolutely grotesque. I mean, we were right. talking about this earlier. You know, it wasn't that long ago when we were arguing about partial birth abortion and how right. bad that was. Right. This is this is no different. Well, it, New York's done this. Virginia yeah. has upped the ante, it's, and other um, states are are headed that way. They're yeah. doing the same thing. You know, Iowa's an exception. Iowa uh, they passed a bill banning most abortions. Yeah, which is interesting. But man, look, Christians can cannot be. We got to be engaged in this. We cannot be silent. And you know, I, I was just thinking about even this Sunday is um, a, a recognition of racial reconciliation, and the vast majority of abortions are are done in the African American community, mm-hmm. and just tens, hundreds of thousands of black black children yeah. are slaughtered every year. Well, and think about it now. Um, in New York, part yeah. of that law was that you don't have to be a doctor to do it anymore. Wow. Part of the well, part of what was included in the law is that abortions can be performed by non non physicians, <laughs> even up to the point of birth. And so, these lawmakers are asked questions like this: Are do you mean? Are do you mean to tell me that your bill says hmm. that even as a woman is having contractions on the t- she has dilated mm-hmm. and she's having she can opt for an abortion if it's going to if it's going to, you know, be a, a detriment to her health, maybe mentally or physically or whatever, you, how you want to define it. Wow. And they have to answer, yes, this, that's exactly what this means. Yes, wow. she can abort her baby. And and I'm assuming now, now the law, the door's been opened now for nurses to be able to do it, nurse practitioners. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be a physician in New York. So, I mean, we're headed, and I told it's my dark. folks, I told my folks, uh, whenever this came out, I said, I, t- I told this, uh, them about this on a Wednesday night. And shared with them, if this is happening, just know that it we're it, it, it will go further than this. This is not yeah. the end, and it will have to go further. And then the following week, the governor of Virginia mm-hmm. says on a radio show that his understanding of the bill is that the woman could opt for an abortion if that baby was actually born. The abortion didn't work or whatever. The baby is actually born then they can resuscitate the baby Hmm. and then leave the baby there while the doctor and the mother talk about what to do. So you're talking, as somebody called that, post-birth abortion. They're talking about aborting the baby after it's been born. That's, Which is murder. That's all, that's all that is, is yeah. murder. That's yeah. what that is. And you can that, call it abortion if you want to, but that's murder. And that's exactly the point. How is it murder 
outside the room, outside the womb, but not exactly inside the womb minutes before. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, I just these are all worldview issues that that have to be that have to be addressed. And and a lot of what's happening is that younger people in our society are allowed to think about this mm. in just simply individual terms of whether it it is. Um, you know whether or not it's helpful to me, whether or not it's beneficial to me to do away with the life right. of a child. Right. They're not being challenged to ask these questions in light of an entire worldview, um, mm-hmm. and that's where we've got to push our young people. Is that no? You you need to think about why is that? Why is anything wrong? If that's wrong, why is anything wrong? Yeah. Um, is there a right and a wrong? Is there truth? And so we've got to be able to push back against that into a help them to see what their worldview is. Yeah. And cause we're, we're, we're going down this road, as you said, in a culture of death where this is only going to get worse. This is mm-hmm. not going to get better until, uh, you know, unless God turns his people and turns the influence of the church against this, uh, it's, it's just incredible where we're headed. Uh, it's, it's really sad to, to hear these kind of headlines and to see where our culture is, not just in our country, but in around the world. And, um, you know, as a Christian, you know, be engaged, be involved and, and be vocal. You know, God is, uh, God is at yep. work. So I want to thank you for listening in today as we kind of jumped into, interestingly, a firstborn conversation. And then it ended with a termination of life, mm-hmm. you know, in an abortion conversation. But we want to thank you for listening. And, you know, we're always open to recommendations and suggestions about podcast topics. If you want to jump on our Facebook page and, uh, make a recommendation we'd love to hear that too we really appreciate you join us again next time on the gospel rain thank you for joining us for the gospel rain podcast we hope you've been encouraged today and we pray the gospel will reign in your life this week make sure to follow us on facebook and twitter or check out our website at gospelrain.com mm-hmm.